This is the one with a very loud voice. Decapitations galore! And a mile in these boots. It's called Attack of the Cybermen. Here, Here we, we go! go. <laughs> We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalen, Ood, and the Cybertronic race. Tontorans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who and subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? Bing Bong, Future Leon here, with a very quick introductory apology, mostly because I'm feeling a little self-conscious here. It turns out I had COVID, in brackets, again, while we recorded this episode, and I'm pretty sure I was suffering from a bit of brain fog, so I'm very sorry about that. If it seems otherwise, that is all down to editing trickery and, of course, Jim Cakes being a total pro and doing much of the heavy lifting. Anyway, I just wanted to say that get vaccinated and stay safe, podcast land. Okie dokie, let's get on with the show. Bing bong. Well, hello, beautiful people of podcast land. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever is your poison. Um, welcome to another episode of Who Back When? A Doctor Who podcast. Or, some would say, a docpast. Some would say. Nay, maybe <laughs> most. <laughs> <laughs> I am your kind of lead host for this evening, me, Jim. And the other voice you heard there was the beautiful Leon. Hello, Leon. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> hi hi jim hi podcast land yes hello how's podcast it land. going how excited are you to chat about this i am freaking brimming with excitement yeah i don't know how to describe this quite yet but it was special it was uh entertaining <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you have a top it also feels like Wait, we have I, haven't have i even said what we're talking about we're talking about, Wait, what are we talking about? <laughs> holy shit snacks that's that's uh crazy bananas I'm super duper looking forward to getting into this with you. By the way, we said, Podcast Land, before pressing record, it's been flipping aeons since Jim and I sat down to record one of these. It's like nearly a month. That's bonkers. Yeah, yeah that's that's crazy. Let's never let that happen again. How dare you, time, for being linear and prone to passing, you bastard. <laughs> Indeed. The pink, pinky promise. We uh, won't let it oh, pinky swear. take this go. long again. <laughs> Wait, can I get a screenshot of that? Because it's legally binding. <laughs> so yeah what did you think kind of top level or or do you know what to say do you want to just go straight into the b scale for the first time ever this is a like double episode length two-parter so it is pretty clearly split down the middle right as this i mean as serials go there's a cut in the middle and i feel like there is a drastic reduction in quality <laughs> with that cut. <laughs> so, so I am, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you will, of two minds about this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying there. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what Frederick agrees with me. Maybe, I mean, maybe that would be the big discussion point. Maybe mm. we'll be happy to gloss over the fact that it's a story of two halves and one is lesser than the other. How do you feel about this? Is it a good serial? Do you like it? I really enjoyed watching this. There is a definite... Nice dropping quality and a point where i was just sort of scrolling on my phone a little bit whilst i was trying to also watch the episode of write notes and just like oh yeah i i I'm maybe not enjoying this bit as much as i was the earlier <laughs> bits that's for sure but i, I think it yeah. all was positive yeah i mean overall, overall same for me yeah uh yeah. what's this about though I think people will need to listen to a b-scal to find out that is a spiffing suggestion let's do that 
Time for us to synopsize, lubify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. In an attempt to repair the legendarily ever-broken chameleon circuit, the Sixth Doctor and Companion Perry are thrust back to where it all began, Foreman's Yard on 76 Totters Lane. It's 1985 this time, though, and the halls of Coal Hill School presumably still echo with gossip about perpetual skyver and clever clog Susan Foreman. Strange things are afoot, though. Cybermen are lurking in the tunnels beneath London, plotting to set Halley's Comet on a collision course with Earth. And up on the surface are old pal the Dalek duplicate and discount Danny Ocean Lytton has assembled a ragtag team of misfits to orchestrate the most vaguely outlined diamond caper in criminal history. But it's all a ruse! Lytton's not actually out to steal an unknown amount of diamonds from an undisclosed location in a manner we never explore. Instead, he's there to cut a deal with the Cybermen and get himself off the miserable rock he's been stranded on since Resurrection of the Daleks. In fact, he doesn't even mind joining the Cybers back on their colony planet of Telos, seen here for the first time since Tomb of the Cybermen. Ruse alert again! Turns out he's actually working for the Cryonians, the indigenous population of Telos, because despite being a ruthless serial murderer, he's actually a good-natured chap and simply misunderstood. B-Scout over. You are welcome. <laughs> so, so doop, welcome. Doop, doop, yes. doop. <laughs> actually, I take it all back. Both parts, great. Love it. Love, 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 love it. <laughs> I mean, that is a very good, like, this was uh, Leon's handiwork in the B-Scow writing department there. And it's oh, a great you. introduction to this serial. But Even though it, it gives away over. the ending and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it, it, it's a book ending of the, the Litten journey, which we obviously have to talk about. Mm. But it glosses over, you know, a lot of content. Like, because this is still, uh, what is it, hour and a half worth of television. We have a lot to address that, you know, we don't mention in this B-Scow. Like, True. I want to talk about, <laughs> at some point, all, all the violence and all this kind of stuff. And there's no hint of yeah. that, you know, in the B-Scout. You know, no. They're not going to put that on we the need box to talk either. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We need to talk about, like, the weird uh, cyber rejects. We need to talk about oh, the fact God. that we get a, yet another quarry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. All of, all of the above. But, okay. You did say before we start recording, you had a number of starter questions. Okay, fine, if you insist, here's a question. Before we even get into the story itself, I don't think that we talked about this the last time we had a Colin Baker uh, serial. Namely, the first time we had a Colin Baker serial. We get a new logo. How do you feel about the new Doctor Who logo? You know what? I did vaguely kind of like go, oh, this is uh, probably a new logo. It was definitely a new intro. and Maybe it's new for this one. Felt very 80s. I think the little animation of it coming in, I don't know. Yeah. I kind of liked it. I, I couldn't tell you what the old one looked like now, though. And maybe there's a nice side by side I can pull up. I'm going to, I'm just Googling because it looks like neon lights, right? As in, it's even drawn in such a way that it looks like a neon light tube. That's probably not what it's called. Yeah, exactly. Like it's one continuous line. Like someone, someone drew this with an etch a sketch. <laughs> like, like there's one single <laughs> line for the entire logo. I've just googled Colin Baker Doctor Who logo, and if I do a search for Peter Davison Doctor Who logo, I take it back. It's the same logo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, okay, maybe I'll cut that. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 no. There, there is a more colourful look. I think maybe it's the same shape. Mm-hmm. 
but maybe it is maybe it is literally how it appears in the title sequence is slightly different. Okay. So it's more colorized and it's more sparkly. I'm not quite sure. But I, I've stumbled across a website that's saying they did a new logo for Colin Baker. So. Bingo. Done. Vindicated. Yeah. Do you like it? I felt it was very fitting for 1985. I do like it, I think. Like it's, yeah? It's not maybe as um, refined. What's the word? Uh, maybe as elegant as like other versions of a Doctor Who logo. But I feel like it is peak 80s. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. It's as though they took Peter Davison's logo, said, you know what, we don't want to change anything about it, but maybe let's put a ridiculously colorful coat over it. I see what you did there. Yeah, uh-huh. Because yeah, it is kind of rainbowy, it. right? Like, there is a lot of... But you're probably right. It's how it appears, most likely. Anyway, that was a rubbish first question. I do apologize. Um, okay, second first question. <laughs> Take two for first question. We meet the cryons in this one. In order to survive, the cryons need to live in temperatures below zero. How did they build refrigerated cities? Jim Cakes, go. <laughs> Why do you always do this to me? Jesus Christ. I don't have to fill in the flimsy backstory to every bloody series. <laughs> I can only assume they lived on the ground where it was cooler. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. And then decided to work their way up to the surface and by that point had technology to make it happen. Never increased the temperature like they never they never caused temperatures above zero whilst drilling tunnels for their cities or uh, building computers. Anything like that? No, nothing. Okay, cool, Brad. Well, let um, me let me answer go. that with another question because oh, okay, there are like there this. are crayons that walk around the base. Yeah, and I don't recall it ever being explained, but I'm assuming they were wearing something slightly different to the other crayon that melts in the base. Oh, or did they have some kind of? I don't heat think so. Suit? No. I think where we see the crayons walking around is the tomb of the Cybermen. That's the you know where the where the Cybermen are locked inside the little ice box cells. So I think that yeah. is the refrigerated city, and they just plonked tombs in there, or you know cryostasis thingies. Up in the base is where we get to see in the cyber base or cyber control. That's where we get to see one cryon who melts or doesn't really melt but she dies anyway horrendously and i assume that it's simply because that is cyber control that is a cyber environment it's not a refrigerated city and it doesn't even like it doesn't need to be it's only that one room they've basically made a cell for her where they store all that super dangerous chemical and or maybe it's actually just a storeroom for that super dangerous chemical and that's why it's so cold i mean it's a storeroom for that super dangerous chemical that explodes if it's not kept at cool temperatures yeah and it's stored on a floor that is otherwise at the temperature where there explodes yeah i mean i'm not saying that it's a foolproof plan it's (laughs) the cybers clearly did not think this through but yeah uh, ostensibly that's exactly what happens not ostensibly strike ostensibly precisely that is what happens (laughs) yeah i no, i think you you must be right i think that makes more sense than the crowns having outfits because it it didn't look like they were wearing outfits compared to the one that i dubbed horny crown because i swear to god she was coming on to dock like anything oh I've not seen Massively. a humanoid in so long. Oh my goodness. Y- yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes. There was some palpable sexual tension. How long do you think she's been there? How long do you think she's been locked in there? Because it's as though she's also lost all social graces. She's way too intense with him. I mean, I, I don't want to rip this 
apart too much because I did enjoy the hell out of watching most of it. Yeah. But I feel like this might be one of those strands we pull and the entire jumper is left on a pile on the floor because like <laughs> everyone talks about Telos as if the Cybermen took it over and killed all the Cryons eons ago. Yeah. Like, like this is a Cyberman planet. Like, there should not be anyone who's managed to just kind of, like, vaguely there survive. Few, and Like, the ones that we see here, they're, they're, like, the Resistance. They're the ones who survived. But there's, like, four of them? Three of them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But they're made of ice. Like, or, you know, something to that effect. It's fine. <laughs> It's fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think that makes perfect sense. They're like Dr. Carter in Falling Skies, where the aliens have taken over their planet entirely, but there are a few guerrilla forces who are just like, fuck those guys. We're going to make life really difficult for them. I, I don't she know also that reference says, at all, but... Noah Wilde played Dr. Carter in ER. Didn't you ever watch ER? No. <laughs> what? George Clooney? That's awesome. Yeah, and he anyway, Noah Wilde was in a show called Pony Skies. It was actually really, really cool. You should totally watch it. Podcast line, you should totally watch that. Anyway, <laughs> there is a scene where uh, Horny Cryon goes, of course, Doc, you're full of uh, idealism. You think you're going to escape. They all think so at first, and then they're all stumped by the challenges like they they never make it out of this cell. Mm. Well, wh- where are they then? <laughs> like, who were they? What? I don't I don't understand what that yeah. is. Were there other aliens there? Were there other cryons? I mean, it, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't understand why this random cryon is kept in a storage room with explosives. Um, <laughs> I don't understand what's happened to all the other people that she, that they mention. Like you just said, like they they have captured loads of presumably cryonians and they're not there anymore this one random horny one is left and then there is like the two or three that are outside and this could be the end of the resistance like you say but it just felt like there was meant to be so much time had passed and it's like how how have how has this cryon survived like presumably the cybermen aren't feeding the cryon i don't know i don't don't want to i don't know like maybe they don't need to eat so i'm i'm looking at uh here we go hang on in tomb of the cybermen that's the last time that we were on telos in this exact tomb, I think, or, you know, one of these cities, according to TARDIS Wikia, that takes place in the 25th century. It doesn't, it doesn't get more specific than that, but 25th century. This serial, according to trivia, takes place in one of two different times, either 2530, so minimum 30 years later, or 2495, um... I don't know why, based on something in the audio series. Okay. But I guess original intention was this is 30 plus years after Tomb of the Cybermen. And in Tomb of the Cybermen, there is nary a cryon. Back then, Telos was the cyber home world. And then uh, we get to, um, is it the moon base? It's, it, I can't remember which one it is, but it's, it, no, it's the 10th um, planet. And in the 10th planet, which is when Mondas basically appears, like the, the planets, the, the cyber planet appears and, um, it's destroyed. And at that point, Mondas is the home planet. So basically we have a case of there being, I, I'm talking through my ears here. I'm sorry. But like, basically we have a case of there being two home worlds. And this serial sets the record straight that Mondas was the home world. And because it exploded, they went to Telos and yeah. You know. I see. This is retconning some stuff that didn't make sense before. Exactly. Exactly. Sorry, I did a terrible job of explaining that. But yeah, basically no, no, that, is, that is it. They're course correcting. Yeah. However, 
I wonder why they have to... They're already traveling through time, right? They have a time ship. They're in the year, let's call it 2530. And they want to they want to destroy the Earth before Mondas appeared and was itself destroyed. They have a time machine. Is the best way to do that to go back to 1985 and try to shift the course of Halley's Comet? Or can they not just go back to Mondas and go like, guys, heads up, here's what's going to happen. <laughs> if you go there, <laughs> you might blow up. God, we're, we're into just ripping the band-aid off of this plot, I think. Because there are lots of things I didn't really understand. So Okay, so, like what? Because they talk about this time vessel, and mm-hmm. we see it coming and landing on the cyber tomb, the refrigerator building, yeah. late on. And Stunning I, I miniature, by the way. Yeah, that was very nice. I got the impression up to that point that they were... Like, they didn't really have the vessel at that point. They were... I don't know. Maybe they did already have it. I don't know. But so the one... The, Okay, here's my question. The the scientists in 1985's (laughs) Earth, how did they get there? Right. Great question. Next question. (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs) um, they got there using the time ship. They have traveled at some point. I mean, I should say, the very last question on my list, the one that before we press record, I was like, no, actually, you know what? I do have a 10th question or whatever. I'm going to add it to the list. It was time ship, comma, her, question mark. (laughs) And the reason for that is I don't think that we get an explanation of where it came from. What we do learn is that on Telos, a time ship appeared, like someone brought a time ship there and the Cybermen just took it. They probably killed everyone on board or cybered them and they took it. And what they then think they're going to do is, like, hey, we're going to first contact this shit. We're going to go back to 1985, and we're going to build all these gizmos with which we can attract Halley's Comet. Yeah, Like a okay. comet magnet. That's my interpretation but of that- it. So, okay, this is our premise then, that the Cybers on Earth in 1985 got there through this time vessel. Yeah. But then they are very excited to use the TARDIS to get to Telos. And they all go in the TARDIS to Telos. Oh, yeah. Wait, you're right. They do go there (laughs) in the TARDIS. It's it's dumb, is what it is. So there are two time ships when actually all they need is one time ship. They they should have changed this entirely. There shouldn't have been (laughs) a... Like, Halley's Comet shouldn't already have been en route to the Earth. It should have been a case of the Cybermen go, Wait, Doctor, you have a time ship. We can use that time ship in order to... dot dot dot. That's the only time ship you need here. Yeah. I mean, it's a tropey thing to do in Doctor Who. Like, people want in the TARDIS to perform some element of time travel. But yeah. it makes a hell of a lot more sense than what they ended up with. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because anything that they can do with the TARDIS, surely they can do with the time ship that they already have. I mean, assuming it travels through time and space, yes. So I guess what they are doing is, <laughs> it's like we're, we're like uh, 20 minutes into this review or half an hour or something into this review. And like, it's pure speculation. <laughs> like, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I'm assuming the cybers are then doing this. They're like, right, let's deposit some cybers in 1985 and let's just leave them to it. They can do their job. They're, they're good at this stuff. They do that. And then they just take the time ship straight back to Talos or to Mondas or where, no, not Mondas, but back yeah. to Talos or Cyber Command. And that's it. However, at that point, they should already see that their plan has failed because they are in the future. (laughs) So if they've gone back to 1985 
Oh, but like, no, when no, you're talking paradoxes, thing, my head's going to just explode. <laughs> no, but it's like, hmm, the year is 2350. We sent someone back to 1985 to do something in 1985. I wonder how long it's going to take for us to find out if they succeeded. <laughs> hey, it's been fucking aeons. It's 2350, guy. <laughs> you should know. <laughs> So this, that was really just one of my first questions in trying okay, to understand yeah. this problem. Because <laughs> to follow up to that is, like, how exactly were they going to adjust the orbit of, or not orbit, the trajectory of Halley's Comet? And Great question. did they need to be on Earth to do that? I assume so. so. I mean, we get to see that cyber base in the in the sewers under London. I'm assuming that that base is there in order to change the trajectory. Do you think there was like some big tractor beam machine or something? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't think that we ever really find out. I mean, it's possible. Podcast Line will probably yeah hold I us to account for it. But lost over a lot of stuff in this. But yeah, it didn't seem clear I to mean, me after one watching. That's for sure. Yeah, not wholly clear to me either. And as I mentioned to you <laughs> before as well, today I went to Todd's Wiki and I read the entire s- summary of this serial just to make sure that I hadn't missed anything because I was sure that I had. And I'm pretty sure that that is also not clarified in that summary. So I, I don't think that it, it is. I don't think it's there. Part of the reason for all of this lack of clarity and the weird overlapping plots and so on is that this was written by Paula Moore, who is not a person. Paula Moore is a pseudonym used by potentially three people co-writing mm. this. And maybe the maybe it's just a case of too many cooks. You know, there are too many people trying to figure this out. There's also a lot of trivia associated with this uh, serial that is just there to the effect of so and so didn't really think this story made sense or thought it was too complicated. <laughs> so really? I think we're in good company, you know. Yeah, I, I read some trivia on um, Wikipedia about this, and it, it seems no one can get a straight answer, or at least there are lots of answers from different people, and they all contradict. You yeah. know, it's, it's not clear. Like I think the last thing that Wikipedia mentions is Saward in two thousand and four saying that he effectively wrote the script himself. Yeah, from an outline of someone else. And the third person, Paula Wolsey, had like a minor contribution. So I don't, I don't know. Like if if that that's the most recent one, and it's from Sir Ward, who was like the lead script ed- editor or whatever. If that's the case, then it's not actually too many cooks. It's just bad. <laughs> like it's bad plot. Right? <laughs> I mean that is true, but. I mean, the fact that the pseudonym is Paula anything, Paula Moore, and one of the people alleged to have contributed to this is also called Paula. I, I, like, I feel like there, there's a risk of some chauvinism at play here that just says, yeah. let's not give the woman credit here, you know. <laughs> I was going to say the opposite. Like, maybe it's them oh. throwing throwing her under the bus, you know. Oh, if they felt like it was a bit all over the shop. I don't know. Like, why have a student oh, I see. unless you feel like people need to distance Oh, themselves. I don't know. Although the the other one alleged reason for it was that the Writers Guild might have issues with a script editor basically editing their own work. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I mean, we've had that kind of situation before as well, haven't we? Okay. Yeah, yeah. no, um, yeah, in, interesting. Oh, that's a solid theory. Obviously, it's like, like with a lot of these things, you know, we, we always read about rewrites and, you know, they had bonkersly different names at the start and all this kind of stuff. Like, it just, it's another one of those, but for totally different reasons this time, that things maybe feel a bit disjointed and yeah, underexplained. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Okay, I, d- I did warn you that this was kind of like three parts of the same kind of line of questioning. Because <laughs> the Here first thing then on this <laughs> this axis is, 
Why the fuck do they want to blow up Telos? Wait, the Cybers want to blow up Telos? At the end, they're going to blow up Telos and go to Mondas. There's some garbage about observing how it explodes or something. I can't even remember. Oh, yeah, what you're exactly right. They said. Holy moly, I genuinely glossed over that. You're so right. Maybe they're just pragmatic. Maybe they're just like, like, here's the thing. We only need the one planet. And if we've rescued Mondas, which we clearly prefer, then we'll go to Mondas. And we don't need to keep this planet around. We might as well learn something from it. Blow it up. Take some notes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I don't actually have an issue with that. Like, seems like quite a Cyberman kind of thing to do and what have you. But I just, I don't know. It seemed really underexplained. It's like, um, I totally oh yeah, agree and uh, drop this Molotov on the floor on your way out, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there are myriad Cybers on ice on Telos. That is the legendary tomb of the Cybermen. Are they thinking they're going to resuscitate all of them, put them on a, on spaceships, transport all of them across to Mondas, and then blow up the planet? Uh, maybe, maybe that was... Because they're not going to destroy all the Cybers, surely. Well, no, maybe they are trying to. Because there's a point where the Cyber Controller says, like, don't revive any more of them. They're all psychotic, or, you know, basically... <laughs> They oh, oh that's it. That's exactly it. You're totally right. But I took that statement at the time as more like, we've got to get the kinks out of the system. Like, obviously, they want to provide them at some point. But right now, they're waking too early or, you know, they're waking without the program kicking in. Or Well, the reason that they turn into those weird, green, gloopy zombie Cybermen is because the Cryons have been effing with the system. Oh, right. Okay. So if the Cybers reckon, you know what, we're just going to cut our losses. The Cryons have effed all of our... Icebox dudes. Let's just blow the whole lot. Maybe that it was all really clear and I just I glossed over it all like a stupid reviewer not doing his work. <laughs> I'm equally as culpable here. I think that expla- explanation sort of makes sense to me. It makes sense in all the yeah. ways that this serial does not. <laughs> I'm on board for that explanation. You have some more questions okay. you can throw out? Uh, I've, I've got a whole bunch more questions, but rather than jump into those questions, can I suggest a topic to discuss? A topic that oh. is it's a rich vein of of banter. I can I can feel it. Okay. Can we okay. please talk about the diamond heist? <laughs> what diamond heist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Discount Danny Ocean and his team of uh, Oceans 3 <laughs> or Oceans 4. I was frigging loving the heist stuff, mostly because of Lytton, who I hadn't quite recognized at that point, just thought the actor whose name escapes it at the second, um, was so good. But I fantastic. basically wrote, other than the music, this would work as a genuine heist show. Yeah. Like, I was oh, so on board A million percent. Yeah, same. I love a good heist story. This was not one, but I loved it nonetheless. <laughs> I also didn't recognize uh, Lytton from, from the Dalek one that we had a, a few serials ago. The heist itself is redonkulous. It's just like, there are diamonds in that building. Really? How long until you need them? Uh, half an hour. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> we're, do- we're going ahead today. We don't have a plan. We didn't have anything. We don't know who does what. When they dive into the hole underneath a garage, no one but Lytton knows what the plan is. They're like, you have <laughs> explosives. That's crazy. We're- it's going to collapse on us and people are going to know where we are. And he's like, no, you don't understand. There's a whole thing behind this. Like, well, why don't you fucking tell your accomplices then dude that's insane that's not how you steal diamonds or anything <laughs> i mean <laughs> but apparently he's like yeah. a straight up danny ocean <laughs> yeah oh me too i wanted more uh, of that in fact when we get the reveal that it's meaningless 
I'm happy that we didn't get more of it because I would have felt even more robbed of having spent, I don't know, it's not that long, I guess, but... (laughs) Yeah, if we'd had 20 minutes of high stuff and then it's all just an stupidly, a stupidly elaborate plan to get one person who, fuck knows, like one of my other notes is, why the hell Griffiths, I think that's what he's called, is the person that can come help the the cryons. This he's awesome. Stupid, he was in, in one stupid. of the Alien movies. He's in Alien 3 or Alien Cubed or whatever it's called. He's on the prison planet. Okay. I thought I did recognize him. I uh, should look him up to see what I know him from. But, you know, oh, Brian Glover. I definitely recognize the name. Yeah. Like, he's obviously playing a very dumb character who's just the hired muscle. Like, and the clue is in that terminology. Like, they're a dime a dozen. Like, this elaborate yeah. ruse to get one guy to come to be in a spot at the same time that Lytton's there getting the signal for Dr. To come, I, I don't know, bonkers. Well, I, I don't know if Lytton's original plan, like his actual down the line plan, was to only have Griffiths survive and have the others die. I reckon he was he like, hey, we're going to go down. Sorry, what, you well, mean, I don't know you, why he you, needed a crew. He didn't need a crew. He just needed to go down there, see a Cyberman, and go. I know you're a Cyberman. Take me to your leader. Done. He doesn't yeah. need to lie about there being a diamond heist. He doesn't know that later on he'll need a bodyguard who will do nothing. <laughs> He doesn't need any yeah. of it. <laughs> I think you're right. Even if he did want someone, like the the impression you're given because you're being told things from the point of view of the undercover cop guy is that yeah. the other two, Griffiths and I've forgotten the other guy's name, have been more involved in the plot. They have a better idea of what's going on. They've worked with Lytton maybe on different jobs. Like the That's possible, the kind of, yeah. The banter that's going between them is is like they've known each other for quite a while. That's and true. then if that's the case, if if they knew each other, why bother to set up this bringing someone else in on the heist and all this kind of stuff? Why don't they just go down the sewers and say, like, we're doing a recce. I think there's a way in to get some stuff like you don't yeah. have to make the make it seem like this is the actual job like it's just go into the sewers find a exactly. reason to go into the sewers you also i mean you don't need dynamite which by the way is never used like what happens to that dynamite yeah Presumably, right now i just dies with it does he? i don't know well yeah right now somewhere in the sewers beneath london there are multiple sticks of dynamite just waiting to become old and unstable, <laughs> releasing a tidal wave of sewage. Well done, Lytton, you utter dick. Why <laughs> is it that at some point he goes, hey, you, uh, red shirt, there's someone in this tunnel. It, spoilers, it's a Cyberman. And he just goes, go and deal with it. Go and do that. And it's effectively sacrificing one of those men. Why? He's there to talk to the Cyberman. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, the, the elaborate nature of this setup is just weird beyond anything. And I, I just had a hunch of another loose end because we're oh, talking yeah. about this, this explosive that may or may not be left in a sewer, uh-huh. or it may be still with the guy that was in task with getting it, which was, I, I've looked up his name, he's called Russell. And I've just scanned through the transcript right. to verify this. Is he the he gets knocked, knocked? Yeah, he gets knocked out in the TARDIS. Like, he has a wonderful action scene and is going all gung-ho in the TARDIS, and then more cybers come in, he gets knocked out. And that's the last we ever see of him, just being unconscious in the TARDIS. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, presumably they cyber him. I don't we know. We do later do, on get to see, see someone half-cybered, and maybe that's Is him, that I don't him? know. It might be. I mean, we get to see someone who's just zombified, yeah. standing in cyber control, wearing a helmet, and maybe he has fake arms at that point or whatever, but maybe that's him. Maybe it is. I don't know. I remember that quite 
being quite a prominent shot of like here's someone being cybered and just kind of looking at this person going who the fuck are you <laughs> like okay they're <laughs> obviously showing us the cyber process maybe you're right i love that we get to see people in the process of being cybered by the way i love the cyber rejects yeah. sorry i just want to just dial back slightly because oh sorry so yeah, i in- i interpreted that he got knocked out uh the the transcript that i found on the chakote whatever it's called website which yeah. we always look at which is wonderful resource Love it. Chakotea. i don't know um, who runs it but like a legend yeah App, utter yeah. legend so helpful thank you um yeah. <laughs> but wikipedia disagrees like the chakote oh. website says knocked out as well wikipedia thinks he's killed in that action of a cyberman whacking him on the head which i didn't get that at all or i guess they do show a number of times that cybermen have very uh, um, elevated physical strength like we see that and we can discuss how that is demonstrated but even just like pushing someone down on you know from their shoulders or something like that you know it's shown to be intense yeah that's true maybe i I wanted to ask you about that actually that's one of my remaining questions do you think they just squeeze people or do you think they send let's say electricity through their hands i assumed physical squeezing i mean that's what happens to litton in a very bloody way yeah yeah that's pretty grim I mean, the fact still remains, we do get to see someone quite blatantly on screen in the process of being cybered, and then later on, we get the same with Lytton. And Lytton yeah. is one of the... He, he's His mind is not yet gone, but it is on its way. He's a dude who has suffered intellectually and physiologically at the hands of the two biggest Doctor Who baddies. First the Daleks, F him over completely. And now the Cybers F him over completely. Yeah. I can say I read a couple of bits on Wikipedia that talk about uh, people that have reviewed this, like mm-hmm. professional reviews or or whatever. And I think at least one of them felt like the Litten character arc was unbelievable or, you know, didn't like fit with the stuff we had seen before sort of thing. And I totally, I, 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 in two minds, either I don't care or I just disagree. And the, the disagreement doesn't have a strong enough like backing for me to maybe argue it. But I just feel like we left, um, oh, what was it called? Resurrection of the Daleks was the last one. Was that yeah, right? yeah. We left that one with Lytton, if I recall correctly, basically realizing the situation had gone south big time and kills one of his compadres and legs it. And I, I also feel like... Yeah, I think pretty much we felt like that was kind of a savvy move it was pretty badass for this obviously coming across as evil character but for him then to be in another situation where he is sort of looking out for himself he's latching onto a situation that is going to benefit him it gets him off earth where he's been stuck it just sort of makes sense that he yeah yeah he's doing the things he needs to do but also it doesn't like it doesn't mean that he always has to attach himself to the bad guy. He can attach himself to the good guy sometimes. Like he's this nice kind of grey scoundrel character that we often kind of love in film, like Han Solo or whatever. And yeah, I'm totally, totally on board for that. Hmm. Okay. I like that as a reading of it. Personally, I don't view him as someone who is morally vested in the you know, the plight of the cryons. He seems like a pragmatic enough dude that he would just go, right, so the cryons got in touch, they picked up my distress signal, and they're telling me there are three of them. There are cybers here and they can get me out. There are way more than three of them. Maybe they're a safer bet. Because if his goal is ultimately just to get out of there, to go to his home world, I mean, I, like, I don't see that the cryons are doing that for him. And I don't see him going, I mean, un- unless somewhere between the lines or on the cutting room floor, there's a realization on his part that 
I was an agent of evil and chaos for the Daleks. Against my will, I was reprogrammed and turned into a serial killer. I want to make up for that. I might be missing out on something, but I never saw that happen. But I'm perfectly happy with us disagreeing on that. I think he's a yeah. freaking badass character regardless. It's very interesting to revisit that dude. I think everything in this serial around Lytton is like that's the meat and the, the best yeah. parts of this serial. Like Absolutely. For a start, um, Maurice Col- Colborne just steals every scene he's in, I think. Apart from maybe that's his the, Colin Baker scene. It. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's really good. His voice was like so... I don't know, had this kind of resonance, this richness to it that was very nice. Obviously, his portrayal of Lytton is wonderful. And the arc that Lytton gets, right, it, maybe if you can put the previous serial aside, I feel like it probably stands on its own in this serial. Would you agree? Like this character... Wait, that, how do you mean? As well, in, portrays, if we had never seen resurrection of the daleks yeah exactly like ignore that absolutely you know tagged himself onto the daleks then he's just a character that's making a ruse to help out a species that's under threat you know so yeah i guess i mean the thing is he's also we don't get to see it but we are also told that he's been danny oceaning for a while he has perpetrated numerous capers heists on earth in order to finance the construction of his interstellar the distress call beacon thingy yeah yeah he's been stealing a lot of shit he's been committing crimes he's built a criminal empire to the point where he can just go hey uh griff get me some dynamite or russ or whoever it is give me some dynamite all right boss (laughs) you got (laughs) you got it um, there are other, maybe better ways of going about doing that. There, there are, but when you're an alien from another planet, like I feel like, and you like stealing diamonds from people. It's not like he's robbing a bakery and people are going to go hungry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's that kind of nice bad guy area where it's it's the rich people that are suffering not like people that can't afford to lose stuff you know yeah i suppose so yeah and i i feel like yes there's some obviously some questions there and what have you but it's it's the the means kind of just uh, the ends justify the means as it were and getting off planet to try and save people and then his actual i mean pseudo sacrifice because i think he was basically dying or being turned into a cyber when he helps out doc but then yeah the nice icing on the cake for me because we'd never see this really in classic who is doc commenting on that and it oh, i'm saying that him. he had misjudged him and yeah like immediately after Lytton dies and doc's like i can't save him like this this anguish of not being able to save him like he failed to save him and then the very last thing we see in the serial is doc going how i just you know totally misjudged him yeah, Doc saying, it didn't go very well, did it? Perry saying, Earth's safe, so is history and the web of time. And then Doc finishes with, I meant on a personal level, I don't think I've ever misjudged anybody quite as badly as I did Lytton. Yeah, I mean, there are different ways of reading that. A- another reading is, this is a massive fu to Perry, because he has spent every moment since he regenerated doing nothing but misjudge her and <laughs> undermine her and just treating her with complete and utter disdain. And here is a dude who has literally tried to murder him. And he's like, I wish I'd been nicer to him. (laughs) No one ever has felt my wrath less deservedly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you might have a little bit of a point there, but I still freaking loved it. I thought (laughs) I thought that was I don't know, at the time, maybe maybe I won't think about it too much so I can still enjoy it, goddammit. No, but I I knew what you said. I know what you're saying. (laughs) 
I just felt like, yeah. I mean, how often in classic Who does that happen? I feel like in in yeah. Who they would they would sit on that quite happily and oh, absolutely, probably, they would probably sit over labor the point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a very nice button. It's a nice thing to end on, but it's the kind of thing that I think makes more sense in this hypothetical scenario where Part One doesn't exist, where Resurrection of the Daleks doesn't exist. Yeah, potentially. Well, we don't know, you know, all the hideous dark shit that he's done. But, um, yeah. What happened to the two cops? He had two uh, fake policemen, Dalek clone duplicate guys. Uh, I think they were last seen handcuffed. In the garage. Wait, wait, did one get shot? No, no, Doc beat one up in the tunnel. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. And then... Emerges with his hat on. (laughs) Yeah, and one was handcuffed, but when they come back out, he's not there anymore. Oh, right, okay. So they're just off having adventures. Unaccounted for. Yes, maybe they appear in audiobooks, (laughs) or maybe... (laughs) <laughs> Maybe someone wrote a children's series of the, the coppers that terrorized London and little Jimmy didn't sleep that night. <laughs> oh, what a lovely kid's show that would be. <laughs> Rad, okay. Can I just say, we we talked about Griff for, the, for a little bit and you mentioned Russ as well. Russ is played by, Russell is played by Terry Malloy, who the last time we met Lytton played Davros. What? Holy moly. That's pretty badass, eh? Yeah, I had not pieced that together remotely. Oh, no, Although no, I, I had to look that up in the trivia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do seem to recall that the last time we had Davros, I wasn't particularly over the moon at the portrayal because it was oh. the, the most shoutiest, <laughs> just, I have have one emotion and it's shouting. <laughs> it's the one, the character. I'm sure that we must have said that he was really trying to channel Hitler. Like, the, it, it's yeah. a... <laughs> Straight up Hitler parody, <laughs> but cyborg. <laughs> yeah. Talking about shouting and maybe noise in general, how do you feel about the music and the sound mixing in this one? Oh, I didn't really think about the sound mixing. I'm not even quite sure what I know what you mean there, but the music. Yeah. yeah the music I did not really get on board with. I felt like someone was intentionally trying to make this sound like a comedy show at some point. Yes, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. There are a few scenes that are meant to be super tense, but then the music in the background is like, bum, 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 bum. it's like a Seinfeld yeah. cutscene. <laughs> like, what? what is, <laughs> no. <laughs> In terms of the mixing, what I meant was that the music, even when it was appropriate, was really obtrusive. It was overlaid way too loudly on top of their speech. So on on a number of occasions, in a number of scenes, I had genuine trouble discerning what they were saying because the music was so loud on top of it. Yeah, I I definitely had issues with listening to some of the dialogue in this, mostly because of the Cybermen and the awful, absolutely god-awful, like, robotic, weird voices they were doing. Yeah. Hated it. Really hated that. But I think there were other points where, yeah, no, now you've said it, I think some scenes, it almost felt like someone was swinging the boom mic backwards and forwards across the set. And it was like, (laughs) sometimes the dialogue from the same character would be really clear, and then other times it would be super quiet. Super quiet. Maybe that is exactly what it is. And the music is just a constant, at a constant level, so it just appears as though it's too loud at certain occasions. That might be it. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's the the music mixing in with it that just made the dialogue sound quieter. I don't know. But yeah, one of those two things, yeah, I'm definitely picking up what you're saying, actually. 
quality. I think it was odd. It, like there were inconsistencies, and it jumped out at me and took me out of the story on a few occasions. Yeah, there's one musical. Oh, I'm sure there's a term for this. You might know what this is called. There's one case where oh, we should talk about the TARDIS changing appearance. There's one case where yeah. they materialize, I think, in the garage. And the TARDIS at this point looks like a pipe organ. And Doc starts playing on it. He just goes, do 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 And then that is picked up in the score. So the background music of the scene contains that as a riff. Yes, that was nice. Which is really cool. I don't know what that's called, but it's a very cool little touch. Uh, Podcast Lamps, elucidate us. <laughs> a segue alert, the TARDIS changes appearance. He does actually temporarily repair the comedian circuit. And we get the TARDIS changing appearance. I mean, I guess repair is in quotes because, yes, it changes, but it's not in a good way. <laughs> yeah. I think... I mean, yeah, what's what's a name for something where it just changes but doesn't fit into its surroundings? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in Doctor Who terms, that's just materializing anywhere. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, this is a first. This is pretty cool. We get to see the TARDIS in lots of different guises. It's a wardrobe. I thought at first it was a fireplace. A pipe organ and metal gates, which I thought was a really nice touch, but it just materializes at the end of a corridor as gates, and they open and out they step. I thought that was beautiful. So it is just gates then, is it? It's not gates attached to something. Oh, maybe maybe they were attached to that, but I, I don't think that we ever get to see it. Like, they, they just, no. they lead to darkness. It's just black yeah. in the background, isn't it? Yeah, I, I enjoyed the hell out of this, and I was quite sad to read that this is the only time we do it. I know, and apparently J&T thought that, this is also from trivia, J&T thought that this might be a gimmick that he would just keep. Yeah, why you not? Know, in upcoming serials, uh, the TARDIS would look like something else. But, I mean, it's a weird thing. At this point, it's it's difficult to get away from such an established icon. You know, it, it's it, that, that TARDIS is unmistakably Doctor Who. Yeah, that's fair enough. Like, I would have left it in as just a random gag you can lean on from time to time. Like, it, yeah, it's mostly broken and it's stuck as the police box, but every now and again it appears as a, a hedge or something, you know, and yeah, <laughs> you just you see them walk out and Doc looks back and goes, Oh, god. It's yeah, done it's, it again. Yeah, exactly. Or like yeah. they materialize somewhere and it is a police box. They have a whole episode. They come, come back before they leave. They can't find the police box, but there is something else there. Yeah, exactly. Like just something you could play with from time to time. Like Agreed. I felt, I'm really disappointed. Like because I read the same trivia that it was seen as also like I think as a kind of like a bit of advertising sales pitch to get people interested again. It's like we're going to have the communion circuit working. I think like, they even. Yeah like told the it's public like, this thing. is gonna happen so yeah. and and then like after the first serial is it goes back to just stuck as the phone box like i would feel a bit cheated <laughs> back in 1985 completely agree with you and we've seen other tardises change appearance we saw this with the monk's tardis and with the master's tardis I think that might be it, actually. Or maybe the Warlord, Warmaster, Warchief, something like that. And it was always good. It was always a really fun yeah. thing. Like, I can only comment on the Master ones, but like I can recall it being like a column in kind of a, a Greek style or Roman style and the, the grandfather clock that was just oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Delgado Master also had it appear like a caravan at a circus, which is pretty wow. cool, uh, <laughs> at one point in one of the Auton episodes. Yeah, like, it's it's a really good thing. It's a cool concept. In, uh, I'm assuming, oh, is it the chase? It's the fucking chase, isn't it? Uh, the monk is in it, and his TARDIS just shifts multiple times. I, I think I did a collage, just photoshopped a quick collage of it on Who Back When, uh, dot com. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah, we're we're totally in agreement. A very cool concept. Shame we're not doing it anymore. Did we establish the drinking rule that whenever you mention the chase, you have to drink? I, I can't recall if we did. Oh, right, yeah, chin chin. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe that's just a, a Drew only rule. <laughs> I think here. it makes perfect sense to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a shame. I, it made me think, sorry, I don't want to stay on this topic for too long because there are plenty no, of other things it. to talk about. But I think it's the Flatline episode in New Who where the TARDIS keeps shrinking. And oh, yeah. That was such a wonderful concept. And you got to see like them coming out of an ever smaller TARDIS. And at, at one point, Doc's moving it around by his hand being outside. And it's like, you know, the thing from Adam's family walking around. And it's like, yeah. for one serial, you get to have so much fun with the TARDIS, which otherwise just appears and goes away. Sometimes it's a plot point, blah, 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 whatever. It's like, yeah. why would you? I mean, if RTD is listening to this, of... then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. This is like an automatic MacGuffin or an automatic uh, Deus Ex Machina just waiting to be deployed. Yeah. Especially because yeah. like you said that they already established, I can't remember if you said it was the, which, which person's TARDIS it was, but it appeared. Uh, the as... monk certainly does it. As a caravan, like a thing. Oh that yeah, that was the master. Presumably a lot bigger than the phone box, the police box. Oh, it's huge. It's um, a massive caravan. Like it's a. Yeah. Imagine you know people live in it. <laughs> like so, so if you're gonna establish that, then you can establish the Avatars doing the same thing, and you can play with weird aspects of scale or whatever if you wanted to, like they did in Flatline. You know, at some point they could come back to the Tardis and it's three hundred foot tall. You know, and yeah. they go inside, and you know, all you know, it's just like. It feels like just having this ever so slightly working, but not fully, they could have had some fun with. Oh, well. Totally agree. Hang on. I have news for you. <laughs> oh. It's not bloody Chase. <laughs> I was okay, wrong. Spit out that trick. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Dalek's master plan. And if you go to... Uh, yeah, exactly. So, pencils down, podcast land. Um <laughs> If you go to the Dolly's Master Plan on uh, whobackone.com, C021, holy smokes, that's a while ago, there are six different iterations of a TARDIS, including, in fact, a police box. That's great. It's good fun. Nice. Anyway, yeah. right, dude, where are we heading from here? Well, I'm still on whobackone.com looking at these pictures. Oh, oh wow. See, that's lovely. There's a motorbike in one of them. <laughs> yeah, and a tank. Well, okay, where are we going to go? I think, in my mind, there are two glaring things we need to talk about and we haven't so far. One is okay. what we alluded to earlier, the the violence in this serial. We've, yep. we've touched on Absolutely. it briefly, but I haven't fully discussed it. And I guess the other is the TARDIS team. Like, this is Colin Baker's yeah. second serial, Perry's third, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. So, which of those do you want to start with, dude? Why don't we do Team TARDIS? Because... Uh, okay, okay. uh, yeah, we haven't talked about Perry at all. Perry is... She's great. Present. She's really, really good. <laughs> but that bloody vibrato keeps annoying me. Yeah. I can't get away from it. <laughs> I think there are points in this serial where it was easy to just brush that aside because... 
there was some lovely interplay with Doc and Perry, and yeah. either it just wasn't present in those scenes, or the that interplay was so good I didn't care. Basically, is what I'm saying. And their rapport is much more positive this time. It, the, I mean, there's still yeah. some testiness there, unfortunately, but it is way better than it, than it was the last time. Yeah, I feel like it's down to the level of this is a being that is, I don't know what age the doc is at this point, let's say 600 years old, 700 years old, sure, whatever, dealing with a 20-something, A child by comparison. Yeah, and it's not something we can necessarily defend but it's understandable that there is an element of like talking down and not appreciating everything that Perry is saying to you. Yeah, exactly. And a lack like, of patience, perhaps. And Yeah, that's the level we're at now. Rather than it being a fully understanding doctor of and, and in love with humanity and, and forgiving of the lack of experience and all this kind of stuff, it's more into that, uh, yeah, impatience and not understanding versus what we had before, which was literal, I don't know, antagonism and even anger and lots of other yeah, and violence, negative stuff. Like physical yeah. violence and verbal yeah, exactly. abuse. Yeah, exactly. He certainly seems to have come a, a, i don't know if he's entirely back to his own but he's at least simmered down to a point where he i mean we're, we're supposed to be talking about perry and for some reason i'm bringing up doc here but like even doc seems to recognize the good in perry in this one and i say even doc given that he is still a little discombobulated yeah Perry is fine. I don't know if Perry got to do as much in this serial as I would have liked her to do. Yeah, I think agree. I think that's why my immediate thought was like, she's present. She is in this serial because I I didn't immediately think like what she actually adds to this serial. But I think I think the one thing she does add is us making like us as the viewer being told basically Doc was out of sorts last serial is still a little bit out of sorts now but is recovering and doc didn't believe that at the start but perry manages to convince him by the end sort of thing that's true um which is a very important role for you know the audience to buy the main character and the the companion is there to like tell us that yeah all that stuff last week was shit but don't worry that that's gone which i'm hoping is the yeah. case but. you're not quite yourself yet but you're definitely getting there you're right that's a task on her to-do list and she checks off that box yeah but then there are other scenes where she i mean she interacts with Lytton with the uh whatever they're called the cryons and she interacts with the cybers and in well at least the latter two situations she is a damsel in distress i mean the cybers basically just like throw her around a little bit done and with the cryons she's taken in by the cryons but instead of becoming a co-conspirator co-guerrilla soldier whatever sympathizing with their cause or whatever it might be she's very scared and then doc shows up and then the plot progresses and that yeah. I wanted more. And I'm sure that she is capable of more. As a character, she's already been written previously to be capable of more, but she doesn't get to do anything else, really. Yeah. I think the the, the bit with the crowns as well, I, I didn't really understand. Like, through a lot of that, I don't know how much of this was the weird portrayal that these... Uh, maybe portrayal's not the right word, but it, the weird um, mannerisms that the crowns had and the way they talked to Perry... I kind of felt like they were going to do something nasty to her. Like they were using her in some way, but I don't remember that actually coming up in the plot. Yeah. No, well, I mean, there's there's a conversation between two cryons. I can't remember what any of them are called. One is no. called like Flask. <laughs> uh, Flast, I think, actually. And the other one is called Rust. <laughs> 
Uh, rust? Oh, whatever it <laughs> sure, is. Whatever. I didn't call them Flask and Rust. <laughs> yeah. I think Rust is the horny one and Flask is one of the other ones. Yeah, anyway, there's one scene where she encounters two of them and and one of the cryons just wants to laser the shit out of Perry. And the other cryon's like, oh, wait, 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 don't do that. Wait, hang on. <laughs> Hold your horses, fellow ice lady. We can use this one. Not inspiring much sympathy on my part. I, I'm not gonna. No. I'm, not, I'm not gonna care for the plight of a of people if if they're prepared to sacrifice one of the protagonists. Yeah, and I also don't. I didn't understand like what they felt like they could use Perry for. Like, did they? I don't yeah. think they knew Nothing. Doc was here at this point. It wasn't like a bargaining chip to get Doc to help them or anything like that. Well, don't they know who Doc is? Oh I no, that, Doc tells um, them that he's a Time Lord. Oh, he tells uh, he, Rust. He tells the horny one, but yeah, she's not one. part of this plan. I think Litton, That's true. Litton knows who Doc is, and has Litton told the other two? I don't know. Maybe. He might have. I reckon I he has. Like In fact, I hadn't thought about that. I think you're totally right. That's how they know. I it's think they probably all do know, but bloody Litton. I just don't know if it was ever relevant. Like, I might have missed it. But I don't feel like there was... Like, if they wanted to use Perry, they should have used Perry. Like, she should have been a hostage or something. She wasn't. She was just stood around and they were being conspiratorial or yeah. one of them was thinking, oh, we shouldn't have this person. They're going to jeopardize our plan. You know, it was more that kind of thing. And it just... I don't know, it just felt weird. It felt... It, you're right that we're talking about this because of, it feels like Perry didn't get to do anything. And this this whole setup just felt like it was there. So Perry had something to do, which was nothing, <laughs> you know. I think maybe this could be one bullet point in a new segment called Missed Opportunities. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can just, off the top of my dome, I can think of at least a handful of Missed Opportunities. Perry should have done more. Someone should have been frozen in a tomb in one of the cryo cells. There should have been more shit with the zombies. Uh, there should have been explanation on why Lytton was working with the Daleks that made him a more... Oh, yeah, yeah. It made, made the transition from that serial to this serial more believable. Yeah, true. There should have been more heisting. Like, even... <laughs> just... I mean, there is a an undercover policeman on the heist crew, but we know nothing about yeah, him. That, There's like that a so straight-up... <laughs> Yeah, DiCaprio in The Departed. DiCaprio is departing in this serial, and there's zero backstory. Meanwhile, what's yeah. his face? Litton is, he's like Kevin Spacey in uh, Baby Driver. <laughs> well, like, how? How did he get to this point? What was the, what's, oh, yeah, fuck it. Missed opportunities. Halley's Comet. There's lots of stuff there. How do they avert it? Does Doc just reprogram something and then it's done? I mean, I... Bleh. It maybe wasn't fully enacted. I don't know. Hang on, I've just remembered something. There's a bit of trivia with Halley's comment. So here we go. I'm reading this from Todd's Wiki. In the original script, it was revealed that a colony of cryons is living inside Halley's Comet. And Lytton's job was to convince the Cybermen to use the comet as the agent of the Earth's destruction in order to lure the Cyber Controller there, where he would be ambushed by the Cryons. This scheme is uncovered by the Cybermen, who then turn against Lytton. That sounds better to me. That sounds way better to me. It sounds, yeah. I kind of like the idea of it. I'm not sure how you fit that in with other stuff, but yeah. I, well, I think it fits felt... in better than what they did with Halley's Comet. Yeah, I mean, Halley's Comet being referenced in this felt like Oh, Halley, Halley's Comet is a thing that everyone is reading about in the newspaper because he says, looking at Wikipedia, it's uh, going to appear in a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
I think came around in March 1986. So like they are tapping into the zeitgeist sort of thing, but it just felt so ham-fisted. I mean, it's mentioned, it's name dropped, I don't know, five times or something like this. It's tried to be a plot device, but then isn't fully explained. Um, and just, it, yeah, it makes no sense whatsoever that they want to use this comment to blow up the earth. Uh, I don't know. It's just like... Blurry. Yeah, you know, you know what would have made more sense? They have all of that weird mineral from Telos that explodes if it gets in contact with heat. Why don't they just go? Well, what we're doing with Telos is we're harvesting that mineral, and in we can do a callback to the Dalek invasion of Earth. Because we have the Dalek connection with Lytton. The Cybermen are in the sewers because they're digging down. And what they want to do is they want to transport the Telosian mineral into the core of the Earth, which will blow up the Earth. Yep, like it. Because why like else it. are you Shit. introducing a chemical that explodes? I know. They have no plans and for so it. so much of it. It's An entire dumb. room filled with it. Just, I yeah. mean, just to be there as a way of blowing up the Cybermen. <laughs> like, not that the Cybermen yeah. had any use for it. It's like, ah, it might be useful. You know, like, uh, all those electrical wires people keep in a box, we're keeping explosives. <laughs> exactly. And what is it? I mean, is it that they're keeping those explosives because they're going to use it to blow up Telos? Is that how they know. plan to destroy the planet? Because if that's the case, Wait, if so... uh, dumb Cybermen, dumb <laughs> Well, also you want to destroy a planet, and... it's Earth. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But also, isn't that dumb Doc and horny person? Because if that's the explosive they were going to use to blow up Talos, oh, we've just ignited it, or we've blown up Talos. <laughs> I think that's exactly what happens, though, isn't it? it I mean, I thought they just blew up the, the tomb. Well, the tomb is a like big the city. model explosion. So, yeah, the planet is okay. At some point, that, I don't know. Well, one of the ice capades tells Doc... Buster, you better get the shit out of Dodge because this whole whole place is going to go boom. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to go. And then he finds out about Lytton and there's a little bit of tension because he needs to save Lytton before it's too late and yada, yada, yada. Which but those, yeah. is a positive Perry moment because she's the one that convinces him to go yes. back and save Lytton. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Uh, okay. I can't fault you or Perry for that. Solid <laughs> Perry moment. But yeah, anyway, so that is a scene where the ice capade goes, this place is going to blow up, and then weirdly just adds, don't worry, we'll be fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll survive somehow. Will you, though? I mean, I'm not sure you will. <laughs> yeah. You notoriously can't survive heat or on the surface yeah. of your own planet. So, no, yeah. you We're won't gonna be. We're going to blow up your fridge while you're in it. <laughs> yeah. One way or another, you are dead. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. The plot is all over the place in this. Oh, damn. I think I might have to change my rating. I wrote a number down before we uh, before we st- oh, really? hit the recording. But Oh, you know what? I'm going to add a number right now to mine as well. Boom. I've written down a number. Did you want to talk Doc? Or have we already talked enough Doc? Do you want to talk violence? I feel like we haven't talked enough Doc. Because I have yet to be able to hmm. say, I frigging love Colin Baker. Oh. You and me both. Yeah. He he's so fun to watch. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yes. I mean, talk about someone who steals the show. Yeah. And I don't know. There's there's way certain lines were delivered, certain bits of the scene. I can picture there was one point where he was I think it's when they get the cybers are in the TARDIS 
and he's trying to mess with the TARDIS systems so that they don't land on Telos, or at least not at the time frame that they wanted or whatever. And he's delivering a line of dialogue where he's just kind of going to a toolbox or something and grab- grabbing an implement and then going back to a round door which is exposed with circuitry and stuff. And it was just yeah. so, so natural that weirdly it like kind of jumped out at me, which you know, I mean, sounds counterintuitive, but I feel like we're used to let's face it subpar you know acting not not obviously from the main cast in doctor who but generally from the supporting cast and never <laughs> <laughs> absolutely never <laughs> and i feel like sometimes the dialogue isn't the most natural flowing dialogue but just to see a scene where someone was happily walking around the set and delivering dialogue naturally talking to multiple people and you know changing their eye contact and all this kind of stuff it, it just kind of literally took me aback. It's like, wait, did the other doctors do this? Is this new? Is he just doing it in a slightly different way? I don't know. But it was just like, I'm so on board with this. Yeah, same, same. I'm looking forward to more of him becoming more in tune with himself. Because I'm, I'm still yeah. not sure that he is even allowed or directed in a, in a way that allows him to channel his full doctor potential. And even now in this somewhat encumbered states this uh, expurgated doctor is spectacular and i would i would watch him to no end i'm also surprised at how little i am distracted by his attire i thought <laughs> i would effectively just hate him only because he looks like a clown but I, I don't care. No, I, He rises I, above it somehow. Yeah, I generally don't notice it in most scenes. I think it has a nice flow to it, actually. Yeah, so I think you... Like, if he's walking across a scene, like, it just looks more, like, dramatic, and you're, you're just seeing, like, the shape of it maybe, like, flowing behind him rather than focusing on the weird, garish, patchwork nature of it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's too poetic, but... No, I like it. Very wistful. But I feel like he he does that thing which I, I like about Doctor Who and the character of the Doctor, where there are elements of comedy, there's elements of light, you know, the lightheartedness, but we also get the severity and, like, particularly in the still discombobulated, like, we're getting a violent Doctor, we're getting a, like, which we can maybe pin that a little bit, we're getting a, you know, a, a aggressive Doctor that's still turning on people, we're getting a, a thoughtful Doctor, a contemplative Doctor, thinking about Lytton and what have you. Yeah, but do we get him thoughtful and concerned for other people's well-being in any other part of the serial? I mean, does he even mm. really care about the cryons, for example? I'm trying to think if Maybe, there was actually. something. I think like I think he was very surprised that they were there and I think it was a, you know, a pleasant surprise. Okay, so there was there was a thing that I had in my notes because I really liked the fact that Lytton got to say this and it's a, unfortunately a negative thing against Perry, but Perry says like basically she's preoccupied she gets worried about this idea that the earth is going to get destroyed in like a year or whatever yeah and i i forget who actually questions her but basically saying you know the context is that she's more focused on her own people dying and less focused on the fact that the cryons have been killed or are in the process of being killed and Lytton, of all people turns around and says 
there's compassion for you and just like totally pulls her up on it. And I think in that scene, either Doc is the one that's established that context or, you know, is is part of that dialogue it, uh, itself and is basically saying, like, we should care about the cryons. Like, we can't give up on them to save the Earth. Maybe I, maybe I misremembered that. I don't have the notes specifically for that, but that was my impression. Because I think Doc is, is, is basically saying Earth is safe. Like, that's a fixed point sort of thing. Yeah. And so his focus isn't on Earth. Well, I don't know. Actually, no, I'm not so sure that that's the case. I think he's saying um, it should be safe. Anything else is a breach of uh, intertemporal law. It's like the the uh, it goes against the rules of time travel or something like that. He says you can't do that. Yeah, maybe I mis misremembered or read I, too much into it at the time. I'm not sure, but yeah. Anyway, no, no, I'm I, I'm I'm literally just like uh, scrubbing through the transcript right now. So I'm I'm trusting your recollection of this more so than I do my own. I I think I maybe read a bit more into it. Like I got the impression that. Doc was obviously reluctant in telling the story that Mondas got destroyed in its battle with the Earth. And I, I don't know the serial they're referencing, but I presume Doc had a hand in the fact that Mondas went bye-bye. Oh, I'm pretty sure he straight up blows it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, I can't remember how he does it, but I'm pretty sure he just, just causes it. Yeah, so most of that scene is more about that previous event and Doc having to explain to Perry that whilst Earth is safe, he destroyed an entire planet. And maybe, yeah, maybe I've misread that the the whole Earth is safe thing meant that we can focus on the other on the race that's endangered. Yeah, yeah, but. I mean, I, I don't... I here's, here's the thing. I don't think that he cares about the cryons because I think Doc, very much like I myself, view the cryons as already too far gone. There are four of them left. Like the, the entire species has already been destroyed. Fine, there are four of them left, and it would be nice to put them on that planet with the time heist teller aliens and whoever else they've rescued uh, uh, throughout the years. But... <laughs> There's nothing he can do about it unless he also goes back in time and changes history, which goes against those laws of time travel that he is so intent on protecting in this serial. So yeah. that's the only reason, really, that I don't think that he cares about the cryons. There's no cryon to care about. I think he cares about the Earth. I think he's just like it has always been the case. Earth is sort of his favorite planet and Earthlings are his favorite people. And he feels very protective of them. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Maybe I have misread this scene entirely, which means it's not a justification for Doc having compassion for other races beyond other uh, things. Maybe it's a, a entirely thing to back up that he only has compassion for the Earthlings and he feels well, slightly hey, guilty I, uh, that he I'm happy to be wrong about this. <laughs> I'm super duper happy to be wrong about this. I suggest we move on to the next subject, though. How about yes. we we talk... Uh, violence. Oh, yes. <laughs> Holy smokes. Where do you want to start? There's a lot of it. There is a lot of it. I mean, we just talked about Doc, so we could segue through the violence portrayed by mm. Doc, if you would I'm like. intrigued. Yeah, let's hear it. Well, I, I pose this more of a question. How do you feel about the Doc being very action again, like firing guns? I mean, he, beating he murders people. people. Yeah. 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 He murders a ton of Cybermen, but so do other people in this serial. I don't think that that's necessarily... I wouldn't equate that with the violence that Doc exhibited in the previous serial where he lunges on, I can't remember what the Time Lord was called, but he, you know, he lunges on sometime and on Perry, yeah. puts a chokehold on, on both of them. I wouldn't equate that to the scenes here where he just 
grabs a cyber blaster and fires it at someone's head or at the end when he's stabbing the cyber controller who's bleeding green gloop all over the place it's just violence there from his part because there is violence in this serial i'm not sure i'm a fan of that violence it seems like it's it's uncharacteristic of this show yeah like the whole ending of it is just a drunken brawl in fact here's my note about the ending scene uh, i've written this is how much how engaged i was in that fight scene i just like started writing shit so go you know fred you mean twice divorced fred in his mid-50s eats too many pies yeah that's the guy he's getting married again and we're wrapping ourselves in tinfoil and taking him to a beginner's judo class for his stag do you should come Thanks, I'd love to. Tell you what, I'll bring too much Jägermeister to the event. And that, I feel, just encapsulates <laughs> that shit ending. We write very different notes. <laughs> but that's I'm <amazing>. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I know, it's interesting, because actually the context I was thinking of when I posed the question was more this doctor versus other doctors. I think I've already, yeah. like, compartmentalized the first serial of Colin Baker as that was different. Like, yeah, I don't exactly, agree right. with the direction they went necessarily, but that was a sixth Doctor regenerating and some bad shit happened. That's not yeah. the normal sixth Doctor. Um, That's true. But we have had Action Man Doc in the past as well. Pertwee was karate. Well, I mean, he was Venusian Aikido chopping yeah, constantly. What I that's what I was kind of wondering, and I was wondering if you would see a connection with that, and whether you would be more forgiving for this kind of thing. Because I feel like you kind of liked that aspect of. Poetry. I did, yeah, yeah. I really did, but that's only because I I associated with the Saint, you know, like I, yeah. I the show the Saint. That's and James Bond, obviously. So it's, uh, and I really like that really cheesy action adventure schlock. The the, the gentleman fighter, as it were. And the, yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Wrapped in velvet, uh, <laughs> toting a cane, <laughs> punching baddies. But there are so many scenes in this serial. Like, is it Ross? It is Ross, I think, who has a blaster, fires at close range at a cyber through his head, which catches yeah. fire, and also at another cyber's chest, which, again, catches fire and bleeds all over the place. And then he's mangled. And like, there, there are so many people. It, we get to see Lytton's hands bleed. Like there's just so much aggression and, and violence in this serial that I do not need to see in a Doctor Who serial. That it's too much. I, I, and it's not that I'm squeamish. It's just there's a there's a time and a place for it. And here it felt like it was there in lieu of something else. And I would much rather they'd have taken away those, like the drunken brawl at the end, for example, and done a clever instead. Would have been way better. That's, yeah, that's interesting. Because I, I don't know, I've not fully formed my opinion on it, I think. But I accept that it's not very Doctor Who, that's for sure. Mm. But I don't think I have an issue with it being there. Like in the context It's pretty cool of, when it's, yeah. Like I, I think it's there to shock you. And I think it works from that point of view. Like the scene yeah. with Lytton is probably one of the like even though you don't see anything that other than a bit of blood it's probably one of the goriest like the most graphic scenes i can think yeah. of in doctor who like Agreed. to see that the anguish of someone like having their hands basically crushed beyond repair and like, like it's also it's also like if you 
if you engage your brain to it, it's like to have your hands crushed so much that they bleed that much. Like, you know, that is just horrific. Like normally just crushing it, yeah. you, know, you break, some, break some bones, you might pierce the skin. I know, I don't want to get too graphic with it, you know, but like, yeah, I, yeah. Well, I mean, the yeah, they are entirely destroyed. Connection. Yeah. Like yeah. the fact that you see so much blood, it was just like my brain connected the the reality of that. Like, even though we're not presented. Which is quite it, interesting and, because, oh, sorry, go for it. Sorry. No, no, I'm just, I'm just rambling a little bit, you know, but I, I feel like the point point was clear. And then I rambled. <laughs> well, I was going to make the connection back to when we saw the cyber rejects and the way that they demonstrate that they're cyber rejects. One of them, I can't remember his name, but the main reject dude takes off his glove and he's got a Lego hand, you know, it, yeah. it's just got a, a plastic grappler or a steel, I guess, grappler. And yeah, so here the cybers are crushing his human hands beyond repair, as you say, because what do they care? They're going to cyber him and replace all of his limbs anyway. Yeah. And I, I think like in the context of it being a cyber serial as well, like the kind of body horror that cybermen can like lean into, like that having cybermen and serial can lean into, which yeah i don't know i don't think i've seen that in classic i don't know if it's been in some of the serials i've not seen but this aspect of them taking humans and using bits of the body i think this is a first yeah because i think my impression was that the cybermen before now were different like they were i I forget exactly what their construction was but this whole setup felt like they were different and then they seemed very different to what we see in new who and it new who leans into that kind of body dysmorphia thing and i don't think it does anything quite as graphic as this but you know the concepts that they're playing with are as graphic that's for sure um they're threatening people with dismemberment and you know you see heads in cyber helmets and all this kind of stuff yeah we have the lone cyberman for example who's also in this he's effectively also a cyberman reject like the ones that we see here it's just that he's at a slightly more advanced stage do you remember yeah. with whitaker yeah yeah we also get pink obviously danny pink yeah no, that's takes off his face plate thingy um you know what can you answer this question for me, please? How much of a human is still left in a Cyberman in 1985 or 86 or whenever this is? I mean, I genuinely have no idea because I don't know if this is the point that you're trying to make, but there's the scene where Doc takes um, the Cyber helmet off and is fiddling with yeah. it to make a signal. And obviously the the two cyber cyber reject guys they take a a head and a somehow head and can just hollow it out hollow it out and wear it like a helmet like yeah either they it's not did like something they're scooping out skull it's just well i don't know it, like at one point i, I thought don't that maybe so. was the implication but then we get this scene with doc and it's like no it's just robotic stuff in there yeah exactly so they've replaced the arms the legs the head it's not like Cybermen are robots, except they have internal organs that are never used. It's like, mm, we replaced everything with cybernetics, but we kept the gastrointestinal tract. <laughs> that, that makes no sense. The brain isn't no. there. The heart isn't there because well, it's inefficient by comparison. I assumed the brain, like it's never said, but I assumed that was the, probably the one thing they have kept. Okay. Just, oh, maybe, yeah. But I, he does I say feel the like... medi- medicine. Oh, this, it's so fucking weird. Sorry, go yeah. for it. Sorry, I talked over you. I, I just feel like the the scene with Doc using the the frozen cyber to make you know to get a signal on where where things were coming from, whatever it was. There could have just been a line. Some like Perry could have asked, "What makes a cyberman? You know, what is this thing? Is it just yeah. a robot or is something there like any that?" Human left in him. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if she knows at this point that they are taking turning humans into cybermen. I don't know if that's ever been discussed amongst the TARDIS. Wait, team. that's a super good point. She doesn't know. She's never met them before. But she can she can ask, and they're not just a question like are they are these just robots then you know and doc says 
well, actually, no, they have a human brain, uh, you know, or something like that. And it would have just been now the audience understands what cybering yeah. means, you know, yeah, we're not confused, we can be retrospectively grossed out about what the um, the the cyber rejects just did to get a cyber helmet on their heads, you know, yeah, all, you know, all this kind of stuff would fall into place a bit better. And we're not left around That's true. Going, That's a fantastic retro rewrite. What, yeah, like what the fuck is left of a human? Why do they use humans? Oh, it's because of the spleen. You know, <laughs> like it's just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have traversed the galaxy in search of the one organ that can. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Meet appendix. All the, of our desired criteria. The, the thing that the thing that we can survive without. They they drastically desperate desperately need. <laughs> but then it. Oh God. I, no. Very <laughs> safe just... because she's had an app- appendectomy at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get the one serial where someone just goes, you know, you could just take the appendix and leave the human. It's like what? Oh my goodness! This changes our plans entirely. <laughs> Yeah, now they just set up a really peaceful <laughs> surgery, just a, sh- a shop in somewhere in London. Yeah. Do- dodgy back end alley. <laughs> Perform free appendectomies. <laughs> Only if you're affiliated with the NHS, obviously. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Before we leave the topic of violence, can we just acknowledge the fact that it is mega easy to decapitate a Cyberman? <laughs> Like, I don't care. At least it's, twice does someone hit so it over the head with a stick. It's so cool. I bet you if you had to pick your favorite decapitation in this serial, it's going to be the same as mine. Do you have one in mind? I feel like the wait, if there's only two, the first one took me by surprise and I didn't really get to appreciate it. And so the second one where I don't know what his name is, it might be Bates just with absolute gung-ho just charges <laughs> and just like he's <laughs> playing cricket or baseball is just like (laughs) that is pretty good yeah Yeah. my favorite one is when the zombie cyberman punches through the door at the cyberman on the other side (laughs) of it and it knocks its head off (laughs) yeah i think i i genuinely think i blinked at that second and then was just like wait why is the head on the floor (laughs) i love that scene Actually, you know what? I'm totally on board with the violence right now. It's, <laughs> it's pretty solid stuff. But just going back to justify why the, the the one I mentioned is the best, <laughs> because it ends then with the other guy going, what the fuck is wrong with you? We could have just shot him with the gun I just had. <laughs> and he's like, nah, had to decapitate him well, with this pipe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Couldn't risk damage. To the dude we're gonna hollow out. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't risk damage to the head that I just smacked with a pipe. (laughs) Right, cyber design. Uh, nice full disclosure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. Smooth. Full disclosure, uh, podcast land. I might have cut a bit out there, and Jim suggested we should talk about cyber design. I can't take <laughs> no credit for it. It's a good suggestion. Let's do that. Cybers look spectacular in this one. Like, really just fantastic. And I, I'm not 100% sure if the standard Cybermen look the same as they did before. I'm inclined to say they probably do. But the cyber controller looks different to the cyber controller we saw before. Um, This time, the cyber controller typically has has some black detail to the, the helmet. 
And I think previously in um, uh, Tomb of the Cybermen, I think it had a... Oh, I'm sure we must have encountered a cyber controller since then as well. In Tomb of the Cybermen, I'm pretty sure he had a cone head and the cone was black. Right. So it was sort of wearing a, a black hat. Here, just the handles, like the Beats by Dre that it's wearing, they are black. The wait, wait, wait. coolest thing, though. I, yeah. I thought the black-handled one was the cyber leader. Oh, no, sorry. That's the cyber leader. Sorry, apologies. Right. apologies. You're totally right. Okay. Sorry, apologies. Yes, the cyber leader is the one with the black details, and he has the black Beats by Dre. The cyber controller is the one that has the elongated brain part of it. Yeah. He, he's wearing the a dome. regular cyber helmet, but then there's an extra bit that they've clearly just tacked onto it to give <laughs> it a higher brow, which is pretty great. The other cyber design that I wanted to bring up here were the cyber scouts. And I, I think we may only see one of them. They're the all black Cybermen. Right. And they gave me serious Star Wars vibes. Um, is it the pilots, the TIE fighter pilots oh, who right, are wearing yeah, the TIE black uniforms? Yeah. Um, it looked so, so menacing. I loved it. Because you mentioned earlier that you, you thought it was one in the sewer as well. Because I, I think I only spotted it one scene. A load of Cybermen. I think maybe it's when they come into the TARDIS. And one of them was this this black version. And I was the black like, wait, oh. what the Oh, maybe, the yeah, frick? sorry. How's that? You're probably right. Um, but it, it seemed so quick and like we get no chance to kind of like pause and admire it. Yeah. Actually, we, we get to see quite a few of them. I've just Googled a few um, screenshots. There are a bunch of them. Different websites call Stealth it different Cyberman. things. I think TARDIS Wiki are exactly, yeah, which I kind of prefer as a name. Yeah. TARDIS Wiki are referred to them as, as uh, Cyber Scouts, I think. That does seem to be the prevailing name for it. There's a prop website that sells cyber Cybermen Cyber Scouts. Looks great. Yeah, I, I, totally I definitely get what you're saying great. about the TIE fighter pilots and stuff. But I did find it really right. weird that it's just like, it's there in the background. It's not featured prominently at all. It's yeah, totally they don't make a big deal out of it. They should totally lean into it. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I have to say about the cyber design. Freaking loved it. I think I think generally I am on board as well. I Yeah, I found the cone on the... Or dome on the cyber controller quite comical in places, but it yeah. didn't didn't bother me too much. I was enjoying the Cybermen in this, that's for sure. And now it is time to rate this. Did we love or hate this? Bing bong bing bong hey la 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 Ratings. Shazamatron and welcome to the hour mini section of this podcast episode. Jim Cakes very clearly won the fingertip on tip of nose game and then graciously and gentlemanly offered to allow me to nominate him to start anyway, but I that um, wouldn't be cricket. So here we go. I'll be relatively brief, I think. I'd say that every time. I think I'm never right about that. <laughs> here we go. First off, I like this cereal. I like it more now than I think I thought I would before we started talking about it. Um, okay. <laughs> when I, oh, I'm of two minds and yada, yada, yada. I, I'm not prepared to take it all back, but yeah, I'm thoroughly enjoying this. And I think it's actually mainly the fact that you said you had such a good time watching it that reminded me that, yeah, so did I. <laughs> um, 
let's uh, let's run through the categories as I'm I'm want to do. I'm starting with a doctor. On the plus side, he is Colin Baker. Hats off. I'm not wearing a hat. You don't even have to imagine that I'm wearing a hat because as I said, it's off. Bravo, Colin Baker. Bravo. The negative sides only pertains to the writing, and I'll get back to that in a second. Companions, Perry, underused, but when she was on screen, was good. Lytton, as a companion of the week, is terrific. I'm so pleased to see him return and to see an end to his arc. Griffiths was fun. I think his name was Griffiths, the guy from Alien 3. I've got a question for you that I never asked. Rhetorical question about Griffiths. Why does he not demand more diamonds when he learns that he could have actually been offered tons of it and that the amount, the mere fistful of diamonds he gets from ice capades is a trifling amount? Bad criminal. Love him. Um, Because he's dumb, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The foes, cybers, wow. More cybers, please. These cybers are as dumb as they are terrifying and they are in so many ways, miles ahead of most of New Who Cybers. I really much prefer classic Who Cybermen. And even though maybe maybe it wasn't that long ago since last, it does feel as though it's been aeons, and I want more of them. Great stuff. Production value, terrific, I think. Good miniatures, good sets, cool outfits, yada, 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 Black Cybermen. So many plus points for the serial in general. The return to I Am Foreman's junkyard on 76 Toddler's Lane. Cyber rejects and other really dark sci-fi concepts. Horny cry on Miles dicing herself in the freezer. Very cool shit. Number of negatives as well, though, albeit nowhere near as many as I thought I'd be able to think of before we started. In fact, actually, uh, yeah, I'm no, no longer even convinced that part two is that much worse than part one. <laughs> I do stand by the fact, though, that it is very light on plot by comparison, and I do think that that is why they've added all the violence like the twice divorced fred's jaeger fueled judo stag do at the end for example sound mixing took me out of it a bunch of times did not like that at all and uh violence uh, should address that i don't mind violence as long as it complements something dr Hui, but i felt that it often was in lieu of actual writing i've got an example that i've added here as a bullet point there is a point i don't remember when this is but there's a point when doc goes a watch and learn And I totally assumed, you know what, he's going to do something very clever now. I think he says this to Lytton, uh, or possibly to Russ. And then instead, he just grabs his sonic lance and stabs a Cyberman in the heart. And it's like, okay, Yeah. yeah, I don't, that's not Doctor Who for me. Main takeaway is that I want more of all the good stuff. I want more Colin Baker being Colin Baker. I want more Perry actually participating in the story. I want more heisting, more Sonic Lance, more guerrilla warfare, cyber scouts, more cyber rejects plotting to Steve McQueen out of the quarry. But what we got was great. And for that reason, I'm giving this a pretty high mark, higher than I thought I would at the start. I'm giving this 3.7. Nice. Interesting right. rating. Yeah. <laughs> Very oh, good, really. Leon. Good stuff. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, you're very welcome. Okay, I will try and pick up the baton. I'm going to break this into like thumbs up, thumbs down, and the kind of middling ground, sideways thumb, as you will. Starting up with the thumbs up. Mm, yum. So yeah, Doc, big thumbs up in my book in this serial. Various things we discussed already, like the, the range of emotions and uh, characterization that Colin Baker is performing in this serial. Ah, could lap it up all day. Very good stuff. I think, like I mentioned before, 
maybe not the highlight, but one of the highlights, that's for sure, is the fact that they write Doc actually being concerned about his actions or his inability to save Lytton. You know, I, I like that that's in this serial. I hope that that's something that carries through with the Sixth Doctor in general, this kind of reflection on things that have just happened. But, you know, we'll see. Anyway, Doc is a thumbs up. Lytton, yeah, we've already gushed over him. Wonderful portrayal. I think interesting character. Yes, there are some questions on how it fits with the previous characterization um, in the other serial, but in the context of this serial alone, great stuff, whatever. Uh, I can look past that little blurring of lines. I like that we actually have a callback, though. I mean, mm. that doesn't happen super often. And it was a callback that I felt like that was warranted. Because if I recall correctly, we were at the end of Resurrection of the Daleks going, what the fuck happens to Lytton now? Where are these yeah. bobbies going? Like, all three characters are just kind of like walking off into the sunset. or But, you know, to adventures new. And these are the new adventures, which was nice. Some of the production I have in Thumbs Up, uh, the directing, the acting, the visuals. Like I feel, feel like this was a nicely produced serial. There was a random thing early on where they have they put an apple on the TARDIS and then it rolls off as a way of them demonstrating the turbulence. And normally, obviously, that's just a camera trick and the actors are trying to just throw themselves around the opposite yeah, way yeah. that the camera goes. But no, we have this apple rolling off. Uh, it's a lovely little oh, nice tiny, touch. tiny detail. And I can also single out like the model work. It was, it was quite nice. It was not massively used, but when it was used, it was really nice. And I am going to thumbs up the violence because mm. at least some aspects of it, like when the Cybermen were the ones doling out the violence or it was directed at the Cybermen. Yes, it's not super Doctor Who and it's maybe pushing you know the line a little bit too far. Uh, in some regards but for one thing it makes scenes where they're threatening the doc feel actually threatening like he's under physical duress we have characters like russell who get to shoot cybermen at point blank range and it you know it's it's a genuine reaction from a character you know a trained police officer that's under attack you know okay it's maybe a little bit over the top but you know again it's sort of you can expect these kind of things happening, like when a robot is trying to destroy you, you know, you might yeah. shoot them in the head. The shock factor of, of Lytton hands being crushed, I, I feel like, I like I, I'm totally not into violence and gore in stuff in general, but I feel like that did add to the story. I feel like that was an interesting thing. And we we managed to discuss it in a way that I think added to even like our review of the podcast, you know, this this, this podcast episode, like reviewing it. You know, that was a, a focal point of something for us to, to discuss, you know. Even, like, the scene of the cryon kind of melting in the corridor, like, in the context of where we had also been treated with a scene that was very poignant and she was accepting her fate and we just had, I think at one point, actually, maybe was nice music fitting hmm. with her just sitting alone in the room, basically knowing, if I go into the corridor, I'm going to die. I'm just going to sit here with these explosives until they go off sort of thing and then that's juxtaposed with her being found by the Cybermen and thrown out into the corridor and her her death is just seen as horrific you know like violence can be used obviously as any other tool in, in tv and those those things i would kind of say in the positive column there isn't even some comedy in here like it's maybe not a massively comedic serial, but there are elements of the interplay with the, the heist team where Payne says he used to use this lump hammer when he worked for the council and Lytton comes back with, this time it's for swinging, not leaning on. <laughs> nice. Another one I had I had a note for, that I'm, I'm sure there are more, was when Doc kind of nearly steps down the hole in the garage 
Perry gives him a little, oh, Doc, be careful. And yeah. it's like, uh, uh, um, turns into a misstep. And, and Colin Baker does a, a wonderful good, of, wonderful job of portraying that. Anyway, um, and just, you know, just general levels of drama and whatever. Yeah. Plus points, I feel, outweighing some of the negatives. So thumbs down. Yes, there are some problems with the production from the audio side. You you identified this. We've talked about it. Music. I don't know what the fuck was happening in many places. Just seemed bonkers. And yeah, really jarring with what I was trying to enjoy on screen. Um, and aspects of the violence. Like the, the level of violence portrayed by Doc in particular. Like I always have a question on what Doc should be doing in terms of violence. And I feel like some sometimes it goes too far, particularly with New Who and maybe even with Davison we've just seen as the fifth doctor, where there's non-violence and it's just it's not believable and the script has to work really, really hard to get the doc out of situations without it being solved with violence and it just feels just fake and unbelievable and so actually, some of these scenes I didn't mind so much, like Doc's being attacked by Cybermen with guns, Cybermen that are stronger than him. And so he retaliates in the same way and the only way that can get him out of a situation, rather than there being a MacGuffin or uh, uh, actually do do this in the serial, but like a, a stop speech and... <laughs> you know, everything just pauses for a second. So yeah, it maybe does a more middling thing actually. But yeah, there's definitely negatives to the violence. There's definitely positives to the violence and there's some middling stuff to the violence. Uh, but the biggest negative is the plot just not making a lot of sense. There are massive <laughs> holes. There are th- threads you can pull on and unravel for donkeys. And yeah, I can overlook it for the most part because I did enjoy watching this serial. But yeah, it's a negative. And the middling stuff uh, almost kind of like also mentions are uh, unfortunately Perry, like there are some good aspects of her character, but she just isn't given a- enough to do, um, particularly when there aren't really that many other characters in the serial. It's a shame. So yes, positive outweighs negative in the same sort of boat as you. I actually originally wrote down a 4.0 oh. and adjusted it because I felt like I was being a bit generous. And ended up with a 3.8. Oh, nice. Oh, fantastic mini. And uh, here's my friend who agrees with me. Well done. Very nice. Apologies, that probably wasn't a mini. That felt very ranty. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. Can I offer another comedy line? There's one bit where I'm assuming that this is in response to Lytton saying, hey, I'm from Riften 5 or whatever. Griffiths just goes, you said you were from Fulham. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good, good stuff. stuff. Okay, well, that was what we thought. How about we find out what Podcast Land thinks? Mmm, let's. Listener minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Well, we're here again at that lovely section we cunningly name the Listener Minis. That's right. We have got, <laughs> oh my goodness, it's so many. It's blooming ten of them this time. Yep, that's right. So to keep things nice and manageable, three of them we're going to read out in their full splendor. The others we're just going to read some little snippets from. So without further ado, let's jump straight to the first one, which is none other than the Zunmeister himself, Peter Zunich. What up, Peter? Peter Zunich. Hello. Peter Zunich in the house. There, Peter. He is in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Peter. Peter starts. The story is decent, but that's it. The first half is repetitive and drags. Little happens. The second half is much better, but flies past some great content, characters, and beautiful design. Ultimately, the pacing is way off. Also, why were they digging the surface of Talos? That's my review. 2.8. 
Interesting. Second half is much better. Interesting. Yeah. What were you watching again, Peter? <laughs> yeah. Peter continues with the following. Rather than droning on further, though, I'd like to explore how a retro rewrite could take this mediocre serial into legendary status. For starters, let's condense the first half. By half! We're not losing anything here. This leaves us a whole quarter of our, our allotted time to expand the second half. We now have time to savor the moments and develop characters. Next, we'll have the Cybermen actually land on the comet and install a control center, allowing someone to drive the comet towards Earth. Wait, that is freaking awesome. <laughs> However, it's too cold even for Cybermen, so they use a mind-controlled Cryon as a pilot. I love it. I love it. Interesting. Consequently, continues Peter, the Doctor must use all his psychic ability to reach the pilot and stop them. But it's not enough. Therefore, knowing Hartnell's incarnation is on Earth, brackets the 10th planet, he draws on his strength to amplify his abilities and override the mind control. We insert clips from the 10th planet itself and thus explain the first Doctor's sudden tiredness and need for regeneration. At the last minute, the comet is diverted from Earth, later to be reinserted into proper orbit by the Doctor, and Mondas is once again destroyed. Bam! We've just turned it up to 11. That is freaking amazing. <laughs> I want to see that serial right now. Uh, get on it, RTD. Subliminal bing bong. <clears throat> Post credit scene, subliminal bing bong. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. Seriously, amazing stuff, Peter. Thank you very much. I mean, I disagree with the maybe the bits you focused on as good and interesting from the serial as a whole to then take yeah, in same. your retro rewrite. <laughs> but your retro rewrite, I'm adoring. Good stuff. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, same. Yeah, thank you very much. Subliminal bing bong. Post <clears throat> credits. Subliminal bing bong. Who's next? Why is that chap that's Ed Corbet or Ed Corbett? That's right, it's Ed Corbett, or Ed Corbett, it's one of those, that's right, it's Ed. Hello, Ed. <laughs> Hello, Ed. <laughs> Ed starts, episode one establishes a number of plot lines. The bank robbery starts out establishing some character dynamics, while the slaves looking for the time vessel adds a grimmer story arc, which will definitely pay off. Honest. Doc finally gets around to fixing <laughs> the chameleon circuit. This was quite amusing, but I'm glad they didn't continue with it beyond this story, especially as church yeah. organ TARDIS seem a lot easier to break into. Oh, we did have that as I a mean, note. That's a fair yeah. point. <laughs> oh, really? yeah. How did these Cybermen get into the TARDIS? Like, did the communion circuit yeah. cause that to happen? <laughs> yeah, uh, fair. <laughs> Ed continues, The last time we saw the Cybermen was in Earthshock, where they were impervious to most human lasers. If only they'd thought to use bullets, knives, or any improvised bludgeoning weapon, as they seem to do the trick quite nicely. The cyber scheme worked for me, if you ignore paradox, because it gives the Cybermen a motive beyond just being bad. There was a black Cyberman in one shot, we never saw it again, which is a shame, as he's the closest thing to diversity in this entire story. <laughs> wow. Ed continues, was there supposed to be a moral about judging people at the end? Doc goes on about misjudging Lytton, but he didn't. Lytton's a criminal that sold his colleagues to the Cybermen, so he could go to Telos and fight for the Cryons as a paid mercenary. I think Lytton was a good character and a good driver of the story, but he's not a good person. <laughs> oh, Ed, I, yeah. I, I, I get it. I get it. 
Mostly fair, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ed concludes with a solid two-parter that maintains pace by setting part one on Earth and part two on Telos. But the grim tone may not suit everyone. So Ed gives this 3.5 out of 5. Nice one. Very nice. Thank you very much, Ed. That is a fantastic mini, as always. Ooh, good stuff. Thank you, Ed. Oh, good stuff. <gasps> Who's next? <gasps> Why? It's a new review. <laughs> Hello, Richie Black, aka Richie Sexington. Oh, interesting to meet you here uh, as opposed to on a Twitter. Very, very nice. Thanks for thanks for joining us on the Temporal Road. Yeah, indeed. Hello, welcome, Richie. Uh, what does Richie tell uh, us? Well, Richie starts. You arrive at the Sixth Doctor. Time for my first review. The much maligned Baker Doctor versus the most put upon of all OG villains, the tinfoil warriors themselves, the Cybermen. What do we get? Sewers! The TARDIS chameleon circuit fixed and still rubbish. Doc willing to blast fools and the is he good or bad litten? Ass freezer section of Cybers and a nod to the tomb of the Cybermen. It ain't perfect, says Richie, but who cares? I'm going on, but with a 4 out of 5. Would have gone 4.2, but there is no molten ice. Uh, just re-watch the Sixth Doctor's run, oh, no spoilers, but going to li- enjoy listening to your thoughts. Thank you very much, Richie. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you're very welcome to join us. Thank you very much for your very first mini-review, Richie. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Very happy to be traveling down that temporal road with you. People who are not Richie should seek out Richie on Twitter. Richie can be found at... Oh, what, Jim? Why, it's Richie Sexington, don't you know? Wow, that is the most sultry Twitter shout-out I've ever heard you deliver, <laughs> Jim Cakes. Mm. Thank you very much, Richie. Uh, thank you, Richie, or Rich. I'm not right. sure what you prefer, uh, but yes, thank you. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Right, henceforth, we are going to provide you with some snippies, uh, and we've got a bunch of these. Who's first out the gate, Jim Cakes? Why, we've got that chap who's going to be known as Stephen. Stephen. From Canada. From Canada. Hello, Stephen. From Canada. Hello there, Stephen. (laughs) Stephen says a whole bunch of stuff, which, alas, we are snipping, but then he says the following... The chemistry between the Doctor and Perry in this story is a vast improvement over the previous one. He seems to genuinely appreciate her company, even complimenting her. The Doctor reassuring the cryon that he'll rescue Lytton is another one of these great moments for him. While this does reflect well on this story, it really should be the bare minimum. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. But it's still, it's nice to call it out. Yeah. Uh, another bit we're going to skip over, and then Stephen finishes with, Overall, this is an enjoyable story and works to the strengths of its characters. So this story earns 3.9 curvaceous cyber controllers out of 5. Nice. nice. Very nice. Solid rating from a solid dude. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. People are not Stephen. Read Stephen's mini on the website in its full splendor. Uh, in brackets, I'm figuring out what's wrong with the comment section. It will be fixed. And when it's been fixed, Stephen's mini can be found there. And then please go and seek out Stephen on Twitter. He can be found at what, Jim? S. Andre Edgen. Head on over there. High five in from us. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you. Next 
We are moving on to Tan Six Fingers. Hello there, Tans. What up, Tans? Tan says, snip, snippity, snip, 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 and then adds, Season 22 launches to an awesome start with a story that attempts to tie together a bunch of loose ends left over from previous Cyberman serials. The moon base is mentioned. Mondas, the tenth planet, is central to the plot, and the second half takes place on Telos at the Tomb of the Cybermen. When I saw this in 1985, says Tans, at a convention, J&T said the Cybermen in London were left over from the invasion. But I don't remember that being mentioned in this serial. No. (laughs) Which is fascinating. Because if that were the case, that means these are not Cybermen who've been sent back, sorry, I'm editorializing here, who were sent back in their timeship in order to call Halley's Comet to the Earth. They're just like randos. Yeah. That can't be Which, true. I don't know. It also makes sense and also adds more questions. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. like, it, if they had not come from the future uh, and they didn't have... Like, oh, yeah, no, it makes no sense. Yeah, mostly makes no sense, probably. <laughs> Which, yeah, JNT was confused. <laughs> Um, Tans continues, uh, methinks. Tans continues, I give this 4.0 because it was really good. But it could have been so much better nice. with just a few different choices. So Which true. Very, so very, very, very true. Thank you, Tans. Yeah. Thank you very much, Tans. People who are not Tans, follow Tans on Twitter and Insta, respectively, at Tans Six Fingers and... Tans Six Fingers. That's right. Thank you very much, Tans Six Fingers. <laughs> There's a very subtle difference in how we said that. I don't know if you picked it up, Podcast Land. The first one was the number six. The the second one was the word six. There we go. Who's next? Thanks, Dan. Who's next? (laughs) Why, next up, it's Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? Hello, Kieran. Kieran (laughs) has said a lot of things. Unfortunately, we're jumping straight to the end with these thoughts. Malcolm Clark's score is a mixed bag. The reused bits from Earthshock work well, other bits less so. Matthew Robinson's direction, though, is great, particularly on the film sequences. Hmm. Kieran also adds, I like the ending note with Lytton actually being a good guy and the Doctor being sad and annoyed at not being able to save him. The Doctor isn't always right. And Kieran gives this a rating of what, Jim? Why? Gives this 3.6 out of 5. Solid rating, Kieran. That is a solid rating. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you very Uh, much. And an excellent mini overall as well. People who are not uh, not Kieran should go and read it. Just like everyone who isn't anyone here on this list should go and read all of these minis in their full splendor. When they've done so, they can head on over to uh, Twitter where they can find Kieran at what, Jim? At KJ Evans 2. Thank you very much, uh, Kieran. <laughs> Thank you, Kieran. KJ Evans 2. For all your Evan needs. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kieran. Who's next? <gasps> it's none other Why? than GP Haynes. GP! <laughs> I say G, you say P. P. G. P. G. <laughs> Yours, right? <laughs> Hi, GP. Hi, GP. Yeah. Uh, GP says. <laughs> Snip, snippity, snip, 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 and then adds... Uh, the story moves on quite well. It's nicely paced, as we learn of the Cyberman's plans to steal a time vessel to change the future, and maybe just destroy Earth in the process. Perry was also far better in this episode, but I'm not sure the chemistry is there yet between her and the Doc. Yeah, well, fair enough. 
Snip, snippity, snip, 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 and Jupul adds, It's by no means a brilliant serial, but it's a solid, entertaining story and just what the doctor ordered. <laughs> Pun intended. And GV gives this a rating of 3.5 brilliantly exploding Cybermen. Nice. Oh, fantastic stuff. Great yeah. stuff. Solid rating from a solid dude. Thank you, GP. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, GP. Moving on, we've got... Oh, it's that lovely chap, Andy Parkinson. What up, Andy? Well, hello there, Andy. <laughs> I think that accent is getting worse every time. I'm so sorry, Andy. <laughs> um, Andy gave us some lovely introductory things and then some likes and beefs and some exit thoughts. And we're going to pick a like and a beef and those exit thoughts. So the like is, <laughs> I love the Doctor and Perry in this story. They bounce off each other beautifully. And mm, Interesting. Uh, I feel like Andy and Jupu <laughs> should have a solid debate about this. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Andy adds a beef as well. Namely, the Cybermen are bloody useless. Another plan to crash something into Earth. Did they not remember Earthshock? Also, since... Oh, that's such a good point. Also, since when did it become so easy to kill Cybermen? Suddenly they can be shot, karate chopped, and die from their arm-catching fire. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, in their defense, that was badass. Yeah, and the arm-catching fire was from this explosive that, like, the more heated it gets, the more explosive it is. Like, I was totally on board for that. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, it totally makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, finishing thoughts from Andy. All in all, it's a very good story. It's very dark. None of the guests cast survive. And that moment Lytton has his hands crushed is truly shocking. For me, this yeah. is where the Colin Baker era really starts. And boy, does it start with a bang. So oh, what yeah. does Andy give this? Well, Andy awards this 4.0 creepy returning policeman out of 5, which is a, yeah, it, that is a fantastic rating system. and A really good rating as well. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you, Andy. Yeah, very nice. Uh, people of Podcast Land, read this one in its full splendor, just like all the other ones as well. There's a, another bit of casting trivia that we snip, snippity, snip, snip, snip from it. Um, when you've read it, please head on over to Twitter and high five Andy from us. He can be found at Caffrey's or what, Jim? 71. That's 71, the number. Thank you very much, Andy. Next, we've got Neil. Hello, Neil. Hello, Neil. (laughs) (laughs) Neil says, this story has a terrific part one. The villainous Lytton was the best thing about Resurrection of the Daleks in the previous season, so it's great that they brought him back. Agreed. Indeed. Uh, We jump a little bit and then Neil continues with the scene with the Doc and Perry getting the better of the evil policeman is well played. And I love that black Cyberman. Looks so cool. This is all brilliant. Then there's part two, says Neil. Not so good. In fact, a huge drop in quality for me. Here's my friend who sort of agreed with past me. Uh, then snip, snippity, snip, 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 and Neil concludes with... Then it ends with the dog oh, lamenting how he misjudged Lytton. Dude, he literally fired his gun at you with the intent to murder you in that Dalek <laughs> warehouse. Behave. <laughs> Quality part one, shite part two, rating 2.7 from Neil. Excellent. Fantastic stuff. 
<laughs> love it absolutely good love stuff it. neil thank you oh uh yeah people of podcast land please say hi to neil online as well he can be found at neil andrazoni on twitter and on insta it's neil james actor all in one word for your convenience or possibly thank you very neil much neil jam as actor I was <laughs> I was uh, doing a quick first draft edit of uh, next week's blooper reel, and there was one segment where <laughs> we, we tried at a point where we were either off our tits on whatever we were drinking, or we were just hallucinating with fatigue. We were trying to do something witty with Neil at Neil James Actor, the handle, and yeah, we bombed. So yeah, look forward to that, Neil. It's in the bloops. <laughs> Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you, Neil. Who's last? <laughs> last up, we've got a very mini mini, so uh, we couldn't even really snip it. Uh, so we got the mm. whole shebang for the lovely chap that is Michael Ridgeway. 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 Hello, Michael. Hello there, Michael. Yeah, so this is very short. M- Michael has given us a couple of likes that I will read out. That bloke from Alien 3. Love that guy. (laughs) And the Blinky Plonky gangster theme whenever he appears. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Next like is Cyber Carnage. Black Stealth Cybermen. Cyber Slave People. The funny helmet cyber controller with beer belly. Cyber Attack on the TARDIS. (laughs) Jump scared the crap out of me. Cyber Deaths oozing with green gunk. And the Doctor shooting the shit out of all of the Cybermen. Oh my goodness. I love this show. Oh, and the Oscar for most use of the word cyber in a paragraph <laughs> goes to. <laughs> nice. I love yeah. it. I love that bullet. Michael also adds a boof. Namely, we suspend significant belief for this show, but Lytton a goodie? Really? Didn't he just murder a ton of people a few episodes <laughs> back? Uh, as pointed out in a previous listener mini, he also murders a few people in this one. <laughs> so... <laughs> And Michael concludes with a rating of 4.1 out of 5 prescriptions of very strong painkillers for Lytton's pulped hands. Yuck. How did the that scene pass the censor? So glad it did. (laughs) I think we all are, Michael. Oh my goodness, Michael. Oh, so big. (laughs) People who are not Michael can find Michael on Twitter at bad... Underscore. Movie. Underscore. Club. Indeed. (gasps) Amazing stuff. Thank you, Michael. (laughs) Thank you, Michael. (sighs) And that was it. Those were the listener minis. Holy smokes, that's it. Those were our thoughts. What on earth are we going to do next? Yeah. Oh, thank you, everyone who sent something in. Next up, we, uh, well, we're probably going to jump into, review-wise, we're probably jumping into New Who territory with The Witchfinders. Ooh. And then Classic Channel, our next thing will be Vengeance on Varos. I saw a screenshot from that. It looked uh, amazing. (laughs) Okay. But it's, it's a still frame, and I need to see it right now. <laughs> in terms of um, audio who who knows when that'll happen but when it does it will be the gathering and bonus land we've got some anniversary bloopers coming up yeah that's right that's my fault i totally miscalculated how many episodes were left before the 400th episode so uh, yeah anniversary bloops uh, but they're bonus bonus bloops so they're gonna drop on a monday Ooh. Yeah, that's right bonus bonus oh. again steady your pens podcast land <laughs> 
Oh, you lucky people. All of those gorgeous things coming to your earballs in the not-too-distant future. If you really can't wait that long, of course, you can go to the whobackwhen.com website. You can tweet at whobackwhen, or you can tweet myself and Leon. I can be found at Jimmy the Who. Leon, where can they find you? Jimmy the Who. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to just, like, move past it quickly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I noticed. I, I don't think I, I didn't notice that. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it, a solid branding, dude. Uh, you can say hi to me as well. I'm at Ponken. Less solid branding. In fact, gelatinous branding. <laughs> yeah, P-O-N-K-E-N. High five me online. I will high five you right back. Good stuff. Well, this has been a blast. Leon for the record mm. has been soldiering through a nasty head cold. He's been a trooper. Um, I will now release him. Oh, thank you. Yeah, if I sound really shit in this episode, that's my excuse. <laughs> if I sound very nasal, that's why. Also, Jim, I'm so sorry that I've had to mute myself and blow my nose <laughs> on webcam. I apologize. I'm just grateful you muted yourself. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, thanks for a spiffing soiree. No, oh, you are very welcome. Thank you in in return. And um, yeah, until the next one, Podcast Land, look after yourselves. Stay safe out there. Be, I don't know awesome people that i'm sure you all are and uh see you yeah be right next to each other rock on ciao ciao kablamo did you enjoy the show then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when tell your friends but i've got no friends no problemo tell some strangers Hooray! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode and lastly give us a rating and review on iTunes it helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points that's it rock on and be rad and excellent to each other catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode until then ciao ciao who back when You know, when I pictured my first trip to London, I didn't think it would be in the sewers. Yes, but think of it this way. This will be much more memorable. Doctor, someone's coming. I'm scared. Yes, I see them. Now don't be afraid, Perry. Just be careful. Wait for me. Good day. I was wondering if you could help me. I'm looking for a giant black and white bird and and perhaps a time lord that's made of antimatter. Hey, it's you. I mean, it's you from before you regenerated. How is this possible? Yes, I can see that. Some sort of time flux thing. Hello. I was wondering if anyone has seen a giant rat. Possibly this high? Maybe carrying a leg? Excuse me, what are you doing here? Doctor, I don't understand. Who's that? Well, he's me too. He's me from before me, if you get what I mean. I think I'm going to be sick. But wait, who's that? Cheerio, old chaps. Has anyone seen any dinosaurs down here? Let me guess. He's you too? Oh, great. We're all here. Let's just have a time party or something. Uh, oh my. Uh, Jamie and I just seem to have stumbled down here while hiding from the Cybermen. 
I don't think I can take any more of this, Doctor. Just how many of you are there? Now, Perry, let's not ask such questions. We don't want to get the fans angry. Suffice it to say that there's more of me than there's supposed to be. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, what are you all doing here, huh? Susan and I came to hide from the Daleks, and, and we find you lot. This just won't do. The Greater London Sewer System, serving the population's toilet needs and Doctor Who production since 1965. Hey, Doctor, maybe we could go somewhere, you know, more quiet. Yes, I agree. Let's get out of here. Maybe we should go to that quarry we saw earlier. 